Without further ado, Father Barry. Thank you, Father. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So nice to see all your smiling faces out there. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, this is, uh, of course, my last Sunday here. This is uh, for a few of our families that I'm going to name. This is our last Sunday here. And it's kind of a bittersweet time. Uh, it, it really is because there's a side of me that just doesn't want to leave. But then there's this side of me that also knows that I have to go uh, because I have to do what I'm supposed to do, what the Lord's called me to do, what I've been tasked to do, and that's to plant a church. So, um, Father Scott, Father Isaac, thank you so much for the commissioning. Uh, that, that, that was lovely, lovely liturgy, and I'm going to, to save that. So, with this being my our last Sunday, of course, of the liturgical calendar, as well as in my time at All Saints as an assisting priest, and I want to put some things in perspective. Um, Evan was two months old when we first visited uh, almost 14 years ago. We carried him in a car seat. Emmett was not yet born, and Ethan was two years old. And, of course, our, our older children were about 14 years younger as well. And, by the way, to uh, Elise and Eric, I want to thank you for being patient with your mother and I in all of our experimenting with different types of churches, not realizing that this is what we were looking for, because it was actually a TV commercial that, that captured my interest uh, when I saw the advertisement for a beautiful Christmas Eve service, and I was... It's almost as though I, I saw my first Camaro, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, so, um, well, and, and we visited, and then it took us a little bit of time to, to commit, but when we eventually did, uh, actually Tracy and I, along with uh, Ethan, Evan, and Emmett, uh, we all eventually got confirmed. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, and as we know, the, the rest is history. I especially want to publicly thank my wife for leading me to Christ, okay, because uh, she was the one that I prayed for two weeks prior to meeting her, not realizing that I would actually meet her at the Mickey D's just down the street, and uh, where she sat, uh, stood there and swept the same spot next to my table for the duration of my lunch as I, as I ate my chicken oriental salad, and then she found out where I worked, which is the magic time machine. And yes, I was one of the characters, and now you know where my weird, warped sense of humor comes from. I used to get paid to do that kind of stuff. Okay, so, uh, but, but again, uh, thank you so much. And I'll mention the rest of the families by name. And I see so many faces I know out there, uh, you know, certainly Father Rob, Billingsley's, Mike, uh, so many others. Uh, I, if I were to name everyone by name, all you who have touched my lives, we would, that would take up all, up all my homily time. And I still have some business to conduct here with, with the Word of God. I want to especially uh, recognize Father Isaac. Of, of all the churches I've been in, and we've been in several, as Tracy will validate, um, he is hands down the best pastor I've ever had. Uh, I, mean, I mean, he is the whole package. He's, he's extremely intelligent. He's godly, he's kind, he's also gracious, he's generous with sharing the space up here, uh, you know, not taking all of the opportunities to celebrate, but, but, but he actually shares it. And, and I do appreciate that. And his mentoring, 
uh, he's been a great mentor to me as well. And uh, the only thing I ask, okay, if you're a vestry in here, raise your hand. Uh, okay, I want you to promise to take care of this man and his family. Amen. Pay him well. Amen. Do not lose him. Okay, keep him. Okay, he's totally a keeper. And Father Scott, thank you for blazing the trail ahead of us because he was the one that did the parachute model uh, where he parachuted in and established what's now at the you know, Three Streams Anglican Church where they're, they're functioning quite well. And I've guest celebrated and preached over there a couple of times and, and well done. But thank you for, for, for your mentoring and guiding us through the process and, and all of that. And uh, certainly for San Antonio Archdeaconry, uh, including Fathers Cleo and Father Rob. And Father Rob, thank you for being uh, the, my confessor, basically, because uh, there are times when he'll ask me how things are going. And when I haven't sufficiently answered the questions that he had in mind, he would then ask probing questions. That's why he's our canon for spiritual direction. There, there you go. And then, of course, our bishop, uh, Felix, who encouraged me in this, because like I told him, um, I said, Lord Bishop, I would be content to be Father Isaac's lackey for, for the rest of my life. And he said, no, but God made you a leader, and this is what you've been tasked to do. So it's essentially the work of St. Benedict is the work of all saints. It's the work of the archdeaconry. It's the work of, of the diocese. It, it is the work of the Lord in, in planting a parish on a side of town that desperately needs salt and light and needs to hear the, the gospel. And also, I want to read off the roster of the families in alphabetical order. And why in alphabetical order? Because not any one is any more important than the other. But that would be the Andersons, the Andersons, and the Avalettis, the Deffendals, the Coalds, and of course, uh, Mike. Uh, and, you know, thank you so much. And, and Jeff and Mike have been shouldering a lot of the, of the burdens of responsibility of getting this thing launched by making the financial decisions, which I'm not allowed to make. I'm not supposed to touch money. That it's built within our bylaws, and that's the way it's going to remain, by golly, because there have been too many clergy that have gotten in trouble because they were either, uh, well, messing around with money like they weren't supposed to, or they were doing something immoral, all right? So we, we have checks and balances in place for, for good reason. So, uh, Jeff, where, where are you? Where's Jeff? Uh, okay, Jeff, thank you so much for taking all of the make-it-sos and making it made it so. So I want to thank you. And I, I just keep dumping more stuff. So, and then thankfully Mike just talked about, well, now that we're going, we need to start talking about vestry candidates. So that's coming next. So, so be very much in prayer for, uh, for that as well. And to, um, to all of the children that are a part of this work, uh, both the younger ones and the teenagers, be patient. Change is hard. I know that. And a lot of times, you, you know, the parents come up with bright ideas. Let's go plant a church. And, 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 and it's hard, you know. It, it can be hard work. But, but you are very much a vital part of this community. And we need you. We need you. You are important. You, you are valued. We are all one community gathering together in sacramental community for the sake of the gospel. That's why we serve. For my family, thank you. First, again, Tracy, for leading me to Christ and for what you've endured throughout my graduate studies. <laughs> I know that was hard. Uh, it was one of the best dodges to get out of doing chores, I will say that. So <laughs> excuses are gone. I'll hear about that later. Um, and uh, being patient uh, throughout my formation and all of the additional sacrifices that our clergy families know all too well. So, so for all of the clergy represented, uh, make sure that we're taking care of the families too. 
Pray for them. Pray for us. Pray for all of us in this vital work. All right, enough for, with, with the introduction. And, um, and, and just um, thank you all for, for being here. I, I do want to say that. All right, well, one liturgical year ends on this Sunday next before Advent, and a new year begins next week on Advent 1, or the first Sunday of Advent. Today, on other calendars, is known as Christ the King Sunday. Back in 1925, uh, I know Pope Pius, the, whatever the number was next to that, uh, he was the one who established that as a feast day, uh, at least in the Catholic uh, world, and certainly we recognize that in many of our liturgical calendars. We call it the Sunday next before Advent, but this is also known as Christ the King Sunday. You know, because ultimately, our Lord Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author and finisher of our faith. But what is this time for? Well, in part, it is a time of reflection, uh, following that long season of Trinity Tide. Very long season, and sometimes longer than others, like last year, where you had to add additional material, Epiphany. Um, also known as ordinary time or even seasons after Pentecost, another calendar. You know, think of the color green that denotes the color. That means growth. That's, that's a sign that you know, we, we do grow during that time. That is our journey of sanctification. But how did our journey of sanctification go this past year? Whether you're here or from other churches or going with us to, to St. Benedict, that question is for everyone. So some things to ponder. Did we at some point miss the mark? Okay, because when we sin, we sin in our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes. Anything that would fall short of God's perfect standard of holiness and righteousness. Or did we bear more fruit? Okay, so in our Christian life, we should see some growth in the midst of challenges. Because there, 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 there are times when we need to grow in certain areas while, while praising God for the growth that happened in a particular area as well. We're going to see that, that, that steady growth even in the midst of, of the struggle. So it's going to be a combination. But another important question is, did we simply try harder in our own strength to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps in the obedience to God's law, uh, whether it's by our thoughts, words, actions, and attitudes? You see, that, beloved, is why we must rely on the Holy Spirit to stir up our wills to bring forth the fruit of good works as we prayed in today's collect. But it's also a time to reflect on the effort to plant St. Benedict Anglican Church and how our launch team gelled together into a cohesive community. So to all of our launch team, Thank you. Well done. I appreciate you very much. And really half the battle is just simply being there. Okay, because the thing is, there's nothing that we can do in our own talents or in our own cleverness to build that which only Christ can build himself. Because it is his church and he will build his church. It is for us to gather together in sacramental community. That's what it's all about. Moreover, it's a time for new beginnings for all of us, not just the launch team, but for all of us, as we embark upon a new liturgical year that begins next Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent, which will, of course, mark St. Benedict's first Sunday morning Holy Communion service. And I can't wait to tell you what we're going to be moving into. It's just so crazy. I can't even. Anyway, I'll tell you later in a minute. 
wow, I mean, thanks God. I mean, they're like Regina, the chief operating officer said, she said, I think God is winking at you. So, so more on that story. Yeah, I needed that more than anything, more than you know. But for each of us, ultimately, it's a time of new beginnings. If you think that your last year uh, that marked your sanctification didn't go so well, or gone so much worse and it's now maybe affecting you right now in your walk, let me encourage you. It's a time for new beginnings. As we enter a season of, of expectancy in anticipation of his second coming, as we also remember the incarnation of his first that, that we celebrate at Christmas. In our for the epistle passage, we actually heard from a prophet this morning rather than an apostle. Well, it was very fitting as we prepare for Advent when we will sing the refrain in that glorious Advent hymn, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. It's a beautiful hymn. In the For the Epistle reading, which we find today in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 through 6, if you're following along in the prayer book, that's on page 225, if you'd care to turn there. And this is where we read, and I'm reading in the English Standard Version. Verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This, you see, beloved, is a message of hope that followed oracles of doom and judgment that we read earlier on in the passage. In fact, if we read in the first verse, we we can read, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. The shepherds, you see, were not only kings, but all the leaders in Judah. They were the civil leaders, the spiritual leaders, as well as the prophets and priests who were guilty of covenantal unfaithfulness and grievous sin. Jeremiah began his prophetic ministry during Josiah's reign, who ascended to the throne at the age of eight, and he was the last faithful king of Judah. In 2 Kings 22, verse 2, we read, and I quote, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Well, what about the kings that followed him? Not so much. I mean, this is what can be said about Jehoaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. For they were covenantally unfaithful and ultimately faced God's judgment and the resulting exile for their entire kingdom. During Zedekiah's reign, his court took full advantage of a weak king and they were guilty of gross dereliction of duty. And to me, that's cautionary for anyone who serves in a leadership capacity in the church because unfortunately, we've seen spiritual abuse Uh, We've seen unfaithfulness, we've seen immorality, we've seen financial malfeasance, uh, we've seen all kinds of bad behavior conducted by leaders in the church, whether they be lay or clergy. 
And that's why I'm comforted that we have a bishop and canons uh, that will not put up for that nonsense, along with an ecclesiastical court that will do business, uh, certainly with our chancellor leading the way. Because it's very important that uh, whether we are dealing with disciplinary issues or even examining postulants for holy orders, that we make sure and examine them carefully. Because ultimately, it's very important that when you come to church on any given Sunday or any time when we have services, that you feel safe. Very, very important. Another point, Jeremiah prophesied that the Lord would raise up for David a righteous branch who would reign as king. And this is a messianic prophecy as promised earlier to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, which concluded in verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. How long is forever? Forever, for all time, forever and ever, world without end, amen. While kings followed in David's line, some were righteous, some were faithful, some were wicked, some were unfaithful, which resulted in blessings uh, for the former and judgment for the latter. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings, is the righteous branch who will make all things new as we read in Revelation. And this is very important to consider, especially on Christ the King Sunday. This is the vision of Christ the King seated on the throne. Chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And that is the covenantal declaration that that we see in both the Old Testament and certainly we see at the very end of, of the New Testament where God has declared that he would call a people for himself where he would say that I will be your God and you will be my people. That is his covenant. Verse 4, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's good news, beloved. Yes, life is tough. And usually come Monday morning, well, you know, sometimes we we just don't act the same way we did on Sunday. You know, and sometimes things are hard. And we know that we're dealing with with disease and sickness and, and broken relationships and certainly with loved ones who have passed away and our own eventual demise. But here's the good news. For those who die in the Lord will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one thing that the church triumphant all has in common, they're awaiting for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, where we will be perfectly equipped with resurrection bodies perfectly suited for our environment to worship the Lord for all eternity, world without end. Amen. Amen. And then we read in verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That is good news. 
Behold, I make all things new. So he is making and will make all things new. That is the precious promise. For us, it serves as a reminder that Christ is our king. He is our righteousness, and we are his bride, the church. He doesn't have to campaign. Uh, We don't have to go to the voting booth uh, to choose between different candidates. He doesn't fly in on Air Force One or on a chariot or anything like that. But he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. It's Christ's church. And we must always remember that whenever the temptation arises to lose our perspective and to shift the focus to ourselves rather than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, we need to remember a couple of things because that can happen, especially when we're enjoying success in ministry. Sometimes it it, it happens where we get a little bit too full of ourselves. Well, we need to be careful because whenever we, we face that temptation to think that way, Let's remember, number one, it's not about us as individuals. Not at all. Not in the least. That's why I read the roster of the launch team in alphabetical order. Because not one of us is any more or less important than the other. Because ultimately, we serve King Jesus, our Lord, as we gather in sacramental community for his glory. Because ultimately, it is Christ who builds his church and Christ who will resource his church. And ultimately, it's for us to gather together in sacramental community. And faithfully so. We serve using the various gifts that he has given us. And, and uh, because ultimately, our job is just simply to be faithful, to, to show up. And by the way, for any of you who have approached me and you felt like you haven't done enough, oh, believe me, you've done plenty by simply being there. Because I, I want to tell each and every one of you that's part of this launch team, anytime you're there, I can't tell you just how encouraging that, that is to me. That means the world to me. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. But we have, of course, plenty of work to do. Uh, But we simply must be faithful in building community and certainly in our outreach efforts. But you see, I firmly believe and I have faith in this has been already demonstrated that the Lord will provide for his church. Now, we could see that lesson in today's gospel. And let's go ahead and read that. That's St. John chapter 6. Verses 5 through 14, also found on page 225. Verse 5, and we read, Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of us to get a little. Well, this is what happened that that, that day. The crowd was very curious after observing all the miraculous healing. And uh, they all of a sudden just uh, the whole crowd showed up unexpectedly uh, because they simply wanted to see more. They wanted to follow Jesus. And uh, so they showed up and Jesus being typically who he is, wanting to attend to the needs of the crowd. uh, He knew that they were hungry and simply needed to eat. He wanted to feed them, and ultimately he knew how he would do it, but he wanted to use his disciples ultimately as a teachable moment. So this text was really a teachable moment for me, and I will explain. Because he had a plan, he knew how it would go, but this is what he did. He tested Philip simply by asking a question for which he already knew the answer. Well, where do we buy food 
for such a crowd out here. I mean, think about it. Uh, on, on the shore that they crossed over to in the Sea of Galilee, they did not have an Elan market or any other HEB location in the area. And it would have taken roughly uh, eight months' worth of salary in order to buy a food just, just so that everybody can have a little. So Philip did the math and realized that uh, there's just no way that they could do it, especially since it was not only the 5,000 men, but think women and children. We'll use 10,000 as a good number. That's a lot of shopping. And there's no way that that could have happened. So the math didn't work, but Jesus already had a solution. You see, that's the lesson that God keeps teaching me all throughout this planning experience, because here's the problem. What I do for a living, I am a program manager. My job is to come up with big ideas and put all the steps together and all the risk analysis together and to do all the math in order to make it happen. So I will confess that I had a tendency to take that approach. There are some merits in that. I mean, you need to have some wisdom in order to do that. But the problem was, is I get, got, got, got caught too much in the analysis where I began to think, good grief. I mean, uh, Christ or King Sunday, uh, Sunday next for Advent, that's not too far off. What are we going to do? You know, because what I really wanted was to get us to Sunday morning, because that's how we can grow by getting to Sunday morning. At least that's how, how, how I reason. So this is what, uh, what happened here. And I'll tell the story a minute. Let me read the next set of passages. Uh, One of the disciples, verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. That's a good thing. It must have been more comfortable than rocks. Uh, So the men sat down, about 5,000 number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, they got filled up. He then told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing be lost. So they gathered gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. 12 baskets full. And if you look in in the Greek, I mean, those are big baskets to carry a lot of stuff. So there were a lot of baskets, a lot of food. You see, this is what happened here. The Lord himself provided generously for the moment and more than enough to gather 12 baskets of leftovers so they were not only filled and satisfied, they were also resourced uh, for the additional needs that needed to be met. So here's the lesson. Perfectly illustrated to me and how we managed to find this beautiful chapel I still can't believe this has happened. I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me how this has happened. I mean, because uh, what I knew is that I was going to be meeting with Mike and Jeff soon. So I thought, oh, okay, so Mike's going to be here. I'm sure he's going to ask if I called that Lutheran church. So at that moment, when I thought about that, I picked up the phone and called Zion Lutheran Church. I was looking for either the secretary or or the administrator. Neither of them answered, but the lady who answered the phone was the historian. She never answers the phone. And, and ever, you know, so then I started asking, I inquired about that uh, cute, quaint little uh, historic chapel. And she said, well, if you're not a member here, we can't rent that to you. We usually use that for other uses on Sunday, midweek, or you can rent it for weddings and things like that if you're a member of this church. So, but then she said, however, comma, pause for effect. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> she then... Uh, proceeded to say, but my daddy 
was a church planter of Zion Lutheran Church, and we used to meet over at Methodist Mission Home. So I'm like, really? So I'm Google Methodist Mission Home, and I see Providence Place. That's interesting. Uh, what had happened is uh, I learned a story. They went from Methodist Mission Home to Providence Place so that you wouldn't feel like you have to be converted to Methodism in order to you know, uh, take advantage of the services there. So, But in either case, they have this beautiful, recently remodeled chapel that's uh, got stained glass windows, roughly this size, big chancel area, nice uh, altar set up. In fact, the stained glass window, uh, instead of what we have back there, Imagine Christ the King. That's who is actually in that window. And the light shines through it 24-7. I took Ethan by there one night. I said, Ethan, want to go check out the space? I said, sure. So we go by there. And he said, that's where we're going? I said, yes. And I said, and you know, we're really, you know, and I know changes are happening, you know, and we're going to be moving from All Saints. We're going to miss All Saints, but we're going to uh, go here and hopefully build something that resembles All Saints. And he said, yeah, except it won't be Francis and Vivian. So, uh, so, uh, so the thing is, is uh, I, I can't tell you how thankful we are for a choir. So make sure to support the choir. And if you can read music and sing well, see Francis or Vivian. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> all right, so, so the thing is, uh, oh, I didn't even get, uh, get to, to the best part of it. Uh, we have this for six hours a week. Are you sitting down? Uh, yeah, y'all are sitting down. Yeah. How much do you think something like that would cost every month? Just, uh, you don't need to board it out. It's a rhetorical question. Okay, how many of you nod your head if you think it's six figures at least? Okay, if you think so, yeah, 600 a month. Yeah, 600 a month. And this is what the chief operating officer said, because I was kind of telling her how we really needed this. And I said, what a blessing this is. And, and, and then she said, oh, and, and by the way, the residents who are here, are they able to come to church? I started tearing up. I'm like, of course, that's why we're here. Where we're here to minister to the community around us. And then she said, I think God's winking at you right about now. <laughs> Ultimately, it's uh, God's object lesson to me that he will build his church, that he will resource his church. Yeah, we still need to be responsible and have some wisdom as part of that. But it's for us simply to be faithful, to gather together in sacramental community, just simply be there and to reach out to our friends and our neighbors and family and invite them into sacramental community. The seasons of the church... um, Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Let me, I lost my place here. Give, give me a minute. Okay, so uh, let's go on, go on to, to, to the next point of this gospel passage about how the people responded to, to, to Jesus. I mean, because notice how they, they wanted to seize him by force and make him their, their king, thinking, great, uh, we have that prophet uh, who is to come. He's going to free us from this Roman oppression. And, of course, uh, then he immediately disappeared Uh, Because that's not what he was all about. Because what the people wanted was a prophet like Moses, a deliverer to deliver them from their oppressors, the the Romans, much like he delivered them from Pharaoh and and the Egyptians. And ultimately, they saw Jesus merely as an earthly king who would lead them out of their oppression. But the thing is, is Christ's kingdom is everlasting. And as we look to the new liturgical year next Sunday, which is the first Sunday of Advent, let us remember that we celebrate two things. The already, okay, Christ has come in the first advent, 
and uh, while anticipating the not yet, his return. So aspects of the already not yet. The seasons of the church, you see, give us a rhythm of life. That's one of the things that drew me to the Anglican Church were the liturgical seasons, signified by colors, which is woven like a beautiful tapestry that visually tells the salvation story. Of course, we have the feast days interspersed. Uh, We have Advent, uh, which is the expectancy, already and not yet. Christmas tide, the incarnation. Epiphany, the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, and that is to say all people groups, whether Jews or Gentiles. In fact, what I want to see St. Benedict to be is a diverse community of people from all backgrounds. Ash Wednesday and Lent, these are the penitential seasons. Palm Sunday, Holy Week, uh, which of course includes Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, uh, denotes Christ's passion. Eastertide, Christ is risen. The ascension, Christ ascended and will return again. Pentecost or Whit Sunday, that is the church empowered, also known as Pentecost Sunday, like I mentioned. And then Trinity, tri, uh, rather Trinity Tide, the Trinity season, Pentecost, ordinary time, signified by green, that we're growing in grace. So, so we go around that cycle every single year and back to where we are today, the last Sunday before Advent, Christ or King Sunday. And guess what? We get to do all over, all over again beginning next week until either Christ returns or we meet him in the veil. So here's some takeaways here. If you feel like I do sometimes that you have fallen short during the Trinity season, that time of growth, then be encouraged because St. Paul has some good news for you in his thanksgiving and prayer to the Philippians. And he said in chapter 1, verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. For our launch team, first of all, thank you for your commitment. I cannot thank you enough. I thank God for you. I commend you all. I love you all very, very much. I love you, I care for you, and I'm just honored and thrilled that you're part of this. Let's ultimately remember who is king. That's Christ our king. And we are planting a parish during times where it's not necessarily a popular thing to plant churches much in our culture anymore. Uh, In the same manner that St. Benedict established a community that welcomed the stranger during the dark times. But we also remember that they gathered in community to grow and minister in order to be salt and light to the world that was growing darker around them. Among those same lines, words, sacrament, and community emphasized in our branding as a church has significance because the ministry of the word and sacrament will remain on the forefront of our mission. Therefore, let's gather next Sunday in our new facility in sacramental community I have some shopping to do. I've already talked to Mike about that earlier. But let's uh, all do this, whether you're going with us to St. Benedict or you're here at All Saints and you remain here, and I'm glad you're here, especially all you new faces. So glad to see you. Uh, let us all remember, wherever you're, you're a part of, uh, this is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, Life Together, and I quote, A Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself with belying the truth. 
He needs his brother man, and of course in brackets I included, and sisters, as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. And we say amen in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive.